please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue where we left off last week, talking about the sword of the Spirit. And it is in Ephesians six seventeen that the Apostle Paul says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken or rhema of God. Now remember again, that the term Paul uses here for word is not logos, which refers to the general statements or messages, but rhema, which refers to the individual words or particular statements that are given to you by the Holy Spirit. Even if it is from God's word, the Spirit quickens that word. Amen? And you look at something, it leaps off the page. Those are the words that are your swords. So it's not just every word in the Bible that's just there. It is those words that jump out at you, that have a life to them. And we'll be looking at that today. Now last week we also looked at the fact that this word does so many things. It heals, it delivers it calms storms. Amen. Matthew 8.16, it says, And when even had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. Jesus had the word of God revealed to him. He had that revelation knowledge of the word. When he spoke, he expected it to happen. Amen. And so when he spoke to demons, and when he cast them out, he expected them to leave. He didn't expect for them to hang around and roll around on the floor and do things and stuff. Amen? Now, you know, there are some that are a little bit persistent. And can I say this? If that's what we need to do, then that's what we need to do. Amen? I told you of a story once of a lady that was going into a mental institution to deliver her sister. And she was there for about an hour and a half, pinned the sister down to the ground. And she was calling that demon out for an hour and a half. Now, you know... Those unbelieving, you know, would go, Well, if it was the Lord's will for her to be delivered, she would have been delivered the moment that the sister said, Come out in Jesus' name. You know, people like that are just looking for an excuse to quit. Amen. Looking for excuses to fail. Man, you know what? She based it on Jesus said, In my name, you do these things. They'll work. Absolutely. Amen. If you believe, they will work. If you don't believe, they won't. And if you believe, then it doesn't matter whether it takes a moment in time or whether it takes an hour and a half. You stay there till it goes. Amen. Alright, anyway. Let's get back to this. So here again we see why God's Word is described as a perfect spiritual weapon of divine origin and power. Everything that Jesus did Peace be still. No man eat fruit of you hereafter. Alright, he cast out spirits with a word. Amen. We see that this is a perfect spiritual weapon of divine origin and power. It not only heals, but it drives out demons as well. In fact, a pastor by the name of Thomas Guthrie said, listen carefully, I love this. The Bible is an armory of heavenly weapons. A laboratory of infallible medicines. A mine of exhaustless wealth. It is a guidebook for every road, a chart for every sea, a medicine for every malady, and a balm for every wound. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the reason why, you know, we talked about all the different swords last time. Amen. 
You know, you, you need those. And can I just say this? Like I said before, once you get to a certain point, every word in, this, in the Bible will become a sword to you. Because your faith will grow to such a degree that you, all you have to do is find the word and it becomes your sword. You don't have, need to be convinced because you have seen it work over and over and over again. And after a while, listen carefully, it goes from being just a word in the Bible that you have to meditate upon and get a revelation on to this is God actually talking. You get that revelation, see? And then suddenly, you just see Him standing there, and whenever you read something, it's like He's standing there and He says, I will meet all you need according to my riches in glory. And you go, Amen! Didn't need to meditate on that one, I'm there! (laughs) Amen? Because all the other stuff happened. And you find this, and you go, Yep, God, thank you very much, got it! And you move on, you know. You see that sometimes in some of the ministers as they're ministering. You know, they're they're sort of, they're praying and they they find a word and they go, Oh, thank you, Jesus. And they walk off and that's it. You know, somebody else goes, Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now let's meditate on it for six days. And if you need to do that, please do that. Amen? It's a journey that at the end, every word will become a weapon in your hand. That's the reason why the Apostle Peter said, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he says, For prophecy, that's another term for what we now call the Bible, never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now notice again he says that prophecy, or, or the Bible, okay, never had its origin in the will of man. So this wasn't man deciding they were going to write something. This was a man deciding, well, this would be a good word for this Sunday. Okay? This will make the people happy. No, it was nothing to do with any of that stuff. This was, God said, write this. They said, okay. What are we writing again? (laughs) Okay? So watch, that's why it says here that it never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God. As they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Amen? They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. The Holy Spirit gave them the words. And they wrote them down, word for word. Amen. And we need to understand, therefore, that that Scripture has not come from men. Because, you know, that's what people say so much of the time. Oh, well, men wrote the Bible. This verse tells you God wrote the Bible. He needed men to pen it, but God is the one that wrote it. Amen? And isn't it interesting that that's how God wants to do things? The Lord working with us. See, a lot of people just want God to work by Himself. God, you just do everything and show me. Lazy things, (laughs) okay? Carnal and all the rest of it. All right. Amen. The Apostle Paul confirms this when he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, he says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, the Word of God is for everything. Amen. And it says that the man of God, that's the woman of God too, may be complete. This word is here to make you complete. So many people running around feeling incomplete. Hear what I'm saying? 
This should fill all the gaps in your life. Absolutely. With this, you should feel complete. You know, even in marriage, it didn't say the two halves become one. Two holes become one. Not holes, but whole people. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, a bunch of holes, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to understand, and see, a lot of people don't get this. A lot of people are running around incomplete, feeling like they need something to complete them. Can I say, if you are doing that, you are putting a lot of pressure on the other partner. Because you always have to have them complete you. It's all about you. It's not about what you can do for them, it's about what they can do for you. I'm not complete without you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need to be careful with that because the Bible doesn't want you incomplete. You need to be complete. You know, when you are complete, then, see, it didn't say a half put a thousand to flight and then two halves put ten thousand to flight. (laughs) Okay, I want you to get this. It says one puts a thousand to flight, a whole one, a complete one. And two complete ones will put ten thousand to flight. Do you understand why? Because each will stand their ground on their own. So you get two of those and dear God, you're in big trouble. Amen? They're not twice as strong, they're ten times as strong. Because by themselves they can stand their ground. Having done all to stand, they will stand. They won't look around and go, I'm by myself, I can't stand. No, (laughs) okay? They go, hey, who cares? If I'm here on my own, I'm standing. And if there's somebody else, well, hallelujah. Now the devil in big trouble. <laughs> okay? Either way, he was in big trouble. But now it's a massacre. Amen. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? That the man of God, the woman of God may be complete. Watch this. Thoroughly equipped. We are talking about armor. Hallelujah. We are talking about all the different swords in your armory. That you are thoroughly equipped. You have a sword. You have a word for every season. For every situation. For every demon. You know, you're the sort of person that look at demon and go, I got one just for you with your name on it. And they go, ooh, this one's not good. You know, mostly Christians don't know what the word says. This one has one with my name on it. <laughs> Amen. You know, this may be funny, but it's true, man. That's what Jesus did. Every time Jesus came in on the scene, they were freaking out. Because He had swords with their name on it. (laughs) Amen. And He never asked for their name, because He knew. One way or the other, you're going out. We're not discussing this. We're not going to have a committee meeting about this. We're not taking a vote on this. (laughs) Okay? I'm here, you go. End of story. That's why every time he turned up, they go, Oh, please, please, don't throw us out. Let us go to pigs. We like pork. Give us a pork. You know? Okay. Amen. And we, we know why that happened. Because those people were not meant to have piggies. All right? All right. Okay. Not that I'm against Miss Piggy. Okay. One of the reasons that we had to be thoroughly equipped is because although the sword of the Spirit is used primarily for attack, 
It can also be used as a defensive weapon to deflect the blows and onslaught of the enemy. There is an excellent example of this in Luke chapter 4. And I, I said that we'd get to this today. When Jesus defeated Satan in the wilderness, following 40 days of prayer and fasting, and we'll look at this in just a moment, but to lead us into that event, William Hendrickson, in his commentary, writes, Soldiers for Christ handle the Word. Heed it, that's listen and obey it. Hide it in their hearts and hold it forth among the nations. Can I, can I repeat that? Okay. The soldiers of Christ handle the Word, heed it, hide it, and hold it forth among the nations. Did you get all of that? Alright. The sword thus wielded is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and quick to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Stop there for a minute. This sword works both ways. This sword will take out demons, and it will also take out wrong motives. Amen. Amen? If there's something in you that needs to be taken out, this sword can be used as a scalpel. It is so sharp. You know, surgeons' tools are not like our knives. Okay? When they're cutting something, they don't go... <laughs> okay? <laughs> they are so sharp. They're almost they're sharp on a molecular level, so to speak. Okay? So that they just slice one motion, and whatever needs to get cut gets cut. There's no backwards and forwards trying to get it, you know? And say, bring me another one. This one's blunt. That never happens. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to understand that that's the kind of sword that we have, and it works both ways. It works outside and inside. Amen? It will take out demons, but it will also discern the thoughts, the intents, what is really going on on the inside of you. And if it's not right, allow it to do the surgery that it needs to do. Get things out. Amen? Because you don't want to leave anything in there that the devil can use against you. Hallelujah. If you get that revelation, it's fantastic. Through it, doubts are dispelled, fears are driven away, assurance of salvation given, and Satan put to flight. When Jesus was tempted, He answered every word of the devil by the written word of God. So let's look at that now. Luke chapter 4. Normally I do this from Matthew's account, because Matthew actually has it in the right order. But because of what we're talking about today, I actually wanted Luke's account, and you'll know why when we get to the end. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, first of all, I want you to notice something. When was Jesus led into the wilderness? After He was filled with the Spirit. 
God is never going to lead you into a battle until He fills you first. There's so many people that are going into battle and they're saying, Oh, you know, God's testing me and God's trying me. And and they're coming from a place they're so weak. And God just dumped a house on them. So just make, you know what I mean? You know, like those pianos fall on people. Okay, sometimes it feels like a whole house falls on you. You know, and you, you just feel like you just got taken by surprise. You know, and that's where they come from. Now we do, we all do that. I mean, we, we get taken by surprise here and there, okay? Don't get me wrong. But the way they carry on about it, it's kind of like, you know, God is just doing this bad thing to them. Yeah. On purpose, just to see what they're made of. <laughs> okay? They, this is, and, and they always go back to, well, see, Jesus was tempted, so we are going to get tempted too. Hang on a minute. You need to read the first verse. God filled him. With his spirit. He was filled with the... He didn't have just a partial anointing. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, can th- I think I feel the spirit. Forget about it. Don't even go there. You're not there yet, dude. Okay? When you're filled with the spirit. Remember? Paul says when you're filled with the spirit, singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. I mean, you're just... Woohoo! Hallelujah! That's when you're ready to take on the devil. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Are you, are you with me? So before you ever take on a fight, make sure you get filled first. Don't go half full. Amen? (laughs) Okay. Be filled to overflowing. Now that is what is so key to this. He says, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It was the Spirit said, You're full. Let's go. Let's go do what every other man has failed. And the devil isn't going to fight fair. Listen. So you need to be full of power. You need to be full of anointing. You need to be full. Because he's going to wait till he thinks he's an advantage. He's going to wait 40 days. He's going to wait until you're weak. Can, can I just say this? I don't know if you've noticed this or not. When you're hungry, when you're tired, it's, it's difficult to pray. Okay, can I get a little like, amen on that one? Okay. There's some super spiritual out there is going, no brother, I'm good. Okay, you're good. Awesome for you. Praise the Lord, okay? The rest of us normal mere humans, all right? Not that we are normal or mere, okay? Because we have God living in us. But you understand, okay? That, that in a normal sense, you know, when you don't eat, and when you don't get the rest you need, you become weak. And it is hard to believe for things. It is hard to, to move mountains, so to speak. Okay, you're, you're with me? Do we have an honest person in the house? Okay, you all are. Okay, good, amen. Alright, just so you know, that's when the devil attacks. See, and he waited for Jesus to get to that place of weakness, hungry, before he attacked. That's why he had to be full of the Spirit. If you're full of the Spirit, it doesn't matter if you're hungry, and if you're tired, if you're full of the Spirit. It overrides all of that. Do I need to say that again? That's why Jesus is going to say, Man shall not live by bread alone. And you're going to see what he says in place of that. Okay. Alright. So again it says here, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Verse 2, Being tempted for forty days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now it begins. 
Verse 3. And the devil said to him. So this is after 40 days. Okay? When they had ended. Did you see that? And afterward when they had ended. After that 40 days. He was hungry. And verse 3. The devil said to him. If you are the son of God. This is the first thing the devil always does. Is say. Well if you're a child of God. Y'all carry on about being children of God. Let's see about this. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, number one, Jesus is fasting. He doesn't need to eat right now. You see how the devil is sneakily trying to break his fast and also try to get the Lord responding to him and his actions being dictated by the devil. You get that? Don't ever let the devil do stuff like that to you. Well, if you're this, well, you do this. Let's prove it. And then we start doing things with the wrong motive. And, we, and then, you know, because it's outside of God's time, then God's not there. And, and, and then the devil says, see, that stuff doesn't work. Be careful that you're not letting the devil dictate what you do. You do stuff as God leads, not as He tempts and challenges. Amen? Alright. So, he says, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, what's wrong with this as well? Remember the incident with the water into wine. Did Jesus say anything? He said nothing. He didn't have to say anything. You know the devil is a flesh devil? He can't deal with you doing things quietly. He has to get you to say something and then he knows he got you. If you just sit there and smile, and he's carrying on in your... <laughs> he doesn't know. He's going, I don't know if they got it or not. Hey, you know, they're stupid. Are they getting this? Is the, are they passing air? You know, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> you know, babies, when they smile, they're not always smiling. Anyway, <laughs> found that out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, you see bubbles in the bath and you go, oh dear Jesus, is a jacuzzi or something else is going on. Anyway. <laughs> oh dear Lord, sorry about that. Anyway, back to this. Jesus didn't have to say anything. He just turned the water into wine. He just said, you take this over there, and by the time it gets there, it'll be wine. And it was awesome wine. You know, if Jesus needed, He could have started a whole bakery in the desert. He could have turned everything into everything. He could have had water, wine, bread. You know, it's, if, you can, if you understand chemistry, if you understand science... What he did with that was change the molecular structure of something. If you can change the molecular structure of something, you can change it to anything. You, 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 know, you need to understand that. If you can change what makes an atom an atom, you can change anything into anything. You know, I've said this to you before. The only difference between hydrogen and a helium is one has one proton, one has two protons. That's the difference. Itty bitty proton. Do you understand what I'm saying? So just by adding or subtracting one of those little, little guys out of there, you get a whole other element. Amen? Amen? And you put enough of them, you can go from a noble gas all the way to a metal just by changing one little proton. From a gas to a metal. Just one itty bitty thing. If you can do that, you can do anything. You see, so this is kind of like the devil says, Oh, if you are the Son of God, turn this, this stone into bread. Is that Jesus is looking and going, Are you stupid? I can turn all of this into a whole city. You don't get it. All things were created by Him 
and for him. He created everything. And the devil is going, turn the stone into bread. I mean, how stupid is that? That's like somebody going, oh, you think you're good at math? Let's see this. One plus one. Go on. What is it? What is it? And you know calculus. I mean, how ridiculous. Would you even answer that? You just go, you got to be kidding me. All right. He says, he says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now, he didn't need to prove anything because remember, when he was baptized, the heavens opened up. And God spoke down and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. When you got saved, when you got born again, God spoke to your heart. God told you, welcome to the family. So don't let the devil come and say, well, if you're a child, just shut up, you weren't there. Amen. And if you were, then you're lying dog. You know, okay? You're just lying and you're being mean and you're being horrible. Amen. Asking me to question something that God had already confirmed in my heart. But Jesus answered him saying, It is written. So here's the sword thrust at Jesus. If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered and said, it is written. He put his sword up, defended it by it is written. See, it doesn't matter what you say, it is written. Doesn't matter what the devil or the circumstances say, it is written. The written doesn't change. The saying will change day to day. The circumstances will change day to day. But it is written will always stay the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the written Word is just as sure as the living Word. He'll never change, and the Word will never change. If it says you are more than conquerors, then you are more than conquerors. It doesn't matter how many times you've been conquered. The Word says, it has been written, you are more than conquerors. Amen. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why you take that and you make it your own. And no matter how defeated you feel, you, you look and you say, it is written. But how do you feel? Shut up. It is written. It doesn't matter how I feel. It is written. My feelings won't change what is written. But what is written will change how I feel. Amen. Get this. Get this. Here's your sword. So the devil thrusts at you by saying, it ain't going to happen. You say, it is written. There's your block. And then here, here come the strike. Man shall not live by bread alone. Watch this. But by every word of God. He says, listen to me, you are tempting me to eat right now, but I understand my sustenance comes from somewhere else. I can do without physical bread, but I cannot do without this living word. This will give me life and power far beyond anything I ever eat. And that's not to say he would never eat. But right now, bread wasn't the thing. Bread wasn't what he needed. You don't need bread to fight the devil. <laughs> Amen? You need rhema to fight the devil. You need a word from God to fight the devil. Amen? 
I have run out of time. We'll have to pick this up next week. But let me go on to verse 5. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. This is supernatural. This wasn't a really, really, really high spot. Okay? You can't see all the kingdoms of the world from any high spot. Even if you have a satellite, there's a problem with line of sight. The earth isn't flat. It's round. Okay? So anywhere in space, any point you draw in space, no matter how far back you go, you can only see part of the earth. Are you all here? So for him to see all the kingdoms means that this was a supernatural vision. Because some kingdoms are going to be in darkness. Hello, do we all know about day and night? Okay, <laughs> right? Okay, so some are going to be dark, some are going to be light, some are going to be mid. All of that was shown to him. In one moment, he could see everything, every land, every kingdom. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. Notice he just didn't say authority, he said glory. Remember what God did for man when He created man? Psalm says that you have crowned Him with glory and honor. Honor is about authority. Do you understand all the animals honored man? They understood that man was the one in charge. Amen? And the glory stood there to say, I am in the image and likeness of God. The one that created you, notice I look just like him. Amen. See, we we don't get that still. And so, they saw God, they saw man, they said, oh, they're the same species. Get it? The species that created me is now this species that now commands and is giving us names. And as it gives us names, we become those things. So interesting, isn't it? Okay, alright. See, that's why it's so important, you kind of need to name your kids very carefully. As well? Just saying. Okay. It was so important that God turned Abram into Abraham and Sarai into Sarah. Wasn't much of a change, but it was important. We didn't want contentious. We want mother of all nations. Okay? We didn't want a father of just a few. We wanted father of many nations. (laughs) Always funny when I think of that story. You can just imagine a campfire. You know, Abraham was rich. Do you all know Abraham was rich? You know, he had lots of servants. You know, they wouldn't have all just stayed in the camp all of their life. You know, they would have gone out. You know, because names meant so much. You know, they would have had conversations with other servants. And the servants would have said, oh, who is your master? And they would have said, oh, our master is so-and-so. What, what's your master's name? Oh, he's Abraham. Oh, father of a multitude. How many kids does he have? <coughs> anyway, so, uh, dude, how many kids? Uh, none. No kids? Why is he called Abram? <laughs> and you can see a couple of weeks later, you know, they come back and you go, So how's Abram? Oh, he's changed his name. Oh, thank God, to probably father of none. What's his name now? It's Abraham, a father of nations. What is wrong with this man? The old man being in the desert a long time. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Names meant something. Do you hear me? They knew God, they knew man. This is the reason Jesus has come, to take the authority back. Alright? And so He says, I'll give you all of this. You don't have to go to the cross and die. Whatever you were planning to do, you don't have to do it. I think He understood something. Something was going on. This wasn't like anybody else He had dealt with before. And there was something about this man 
When you look into his eyes, there was something about it. Amen. Now whether he was there to hear God speaking out and saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, because all of that happened before this incident. Whatever the case is, he knew he was dealing with somebody extraordinary here. And he says, and all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. Notice, who created all things? See, we sometimes miss the relevance of what he just said there. He wasn't just talking about His worship before God the Father. He was also talking about his creation that is trying to tempt him now should be worshipping him, not tempting him. All things are created by him and for him. The angels are one of his creations. This created angel is now trying to tempt him. And he's offering him things that he can create at any moment in time. How dumb is that? That's why he says, you are offering him all these things that I can create. I created the whole universe. This is only one planet in the entire universe. And these are kingdoms on this one planet. And he says, you tempting me with this? That's why he turns around and he says, get behind me Satan. It is written, you shall worship. Notice again, it is written. See, his obligation to worship God and Satan's obligation to worship him is based on it is written. I told you, that can't change. Amen? We always see Jesus in a place of weakness in the temptations. That was the furthest thing from the truth. He was in a position of power from the beginning. He was filled with the Spirit. Verse 1. He went out there filled with God. Took on the devil and took him down in every instance. And all with it is written. Here is my armory. Whatever you throw at me, I will throw it back at you. Amen? And we will continue this next week because I have run out of time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.